Hey, what's up? How you guys doing? Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Anchor, seeing that it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And let me explain. First off, it's free. There's tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast basically in one place. So with that being said, let's get started. You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Gifted Gab. It's your boy, Alex Askandarka. You know, before we get started with this new episode of 1K Combos, I just want to give a big thank you to you guys who have been with us from the beginning. If you're just starting out, you know, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you are subscribed to us at www.thegiftedgab.com. And if you are a visual person, make sure you check out the YouTube because we do have all our, all our episodes over there. And make sure you're subscribed we're coming with fresh content weekly so make sure you tap in this next episode of 1k combos comes from a, with a good friend of mine nolan willett uh you know he's a hooper and now he's an international skills trainer doing some big things uh, obviously internationally and in the, in the city of calgary you know trying to contribute to the hoops culture there and as some of you may have known i spent a lot of time in calgary so you know, to see people trying to transcend the culture and, and, and make make shifts is always inspiring, you know. And then we get into, you know, how the people you surround yourself with can make you or break you. So, you know, the, the, the biggest message I want you guys to take away from this is, you know, to choose the people you associate with wisely, you know, because it'll, it'll, it'll reflect uh, in your decisions in life and, and you know, where you, where you end up going trajectory so with no further ado the special episode of 1k combos here Nolan Willett ladies and gentlemen the gifted gap the gifted gap you are now tuned in to the gifted gap the cut long overdue oh hell yeah you've been you've been busy Man, since like the first day this podcast started, we talked about it. Like since the gift of gab, like very first episode, I swear. I <laughs> hit you up like, y'all need to get on that. So it's been a very long time. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. it's been a minute, bro. You know, you kind of seen like the you seen the evolution yeah, of it. Nah, I remember even just before everything started, just those cactus club nights, so those <laughs> wherever we were three years ago. When we first kind of like started meeting up and stuff and just hearing your ideas and wanting to get into the content game and then seeing you actually, you know, go through with it and, you know, push it to where you have. I'm proud. Thank I'm, you, bro. I'm proud Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, tough, it's tough to see. <laughs> Especially when people, you know, have seen kind of like, people obviously become fans at different points, mm-hmm. but when someone's been there and seen the evolution yeah, and no, seen the process. The progress and like, also like the, the trial and error yeah. and like trying different things and like we've had that conversation like you know, even pushing, like, that barbershop conversation, you didn't know if it was going to work or just went for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a that's a big part of, like, society now is, like, people just going for it. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. People always are always, like, you know, some people are risk takers or whatever. Right. But it's not really risk. It's just, like, you can plan so much. Yeah. You can. You should. 
eventually it's like you gotta just see yeah. it, do it gotta be ready to take advantage of like little opportunities cause you don't know like what they could become mm-hmm. for sure no that's what you're doing too bro yeah. I mean I always like because I was around basketball for so long I thought you know I'd always end up doing something with basketball yeah but which really, is natural too. which is which is natural yeah. but really and truly you know what I've always wanted to do is music yeah. and that's what you, you do like you yeah. you find ways to bridge the gap yeah it's tough like it's tough to have a lot of different passions and like figure out where to put your energy and like what works for you and like what's stable for you and then how to integrate your other interests into that like mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to do like oh, it takes okay. a lot of like thinking and trying to understand like what works and what doesn't what's also genuine like we talked about that like not trying to force something mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely it's definitely a hard process to do that absolutely but you figure it out along the way man like it's you're never gonna have the perfect plan you just yeah. start with a plan and as it goes you can adjust it you can change it up you yeah can, for sure you know adapt but you gone on done it you know yeah hoops is <laughs> yeah that's that's the that's the the base that we were talking about the other day like right now basketball is the base for everything for me because it's helped me build so many relationships like that's how me and you met mm-hmm. was somehow through basketball like i met bars at an open run at ufc mm-hmm. i remember yeah. that day yo <laughs> bars is just bringing it up actually. <laughs> he was like he was so confused on who it was. i was too i was like who's this guy bro this guy is like yeah. i was like yo did he play at ufc or some shit before yeah. i'm like it's like you know yeah i remember that day it was a good day for me yeah. No, it, was, yeah. it was a great day you know but like you can tell like you you didn't really play out here. Yeah, that was that's what the distinction was. We're like this guy's not from here. That's right. what we thought, you know. Yeah. And then um, you know, yeah, you, you kind of learn my story. Yeah, you learn the story. You play yeah. in the states, whatever. You mean I feel like basketball is interesting because like it can give you a very like a lot of people play basketball. Yeah. But everybody's experience in basketball so is different. completely different. So different. It's and it's actually. Yeah. almost as amazing as like the craft of basketball itself. Oh, I love learning like other people's stories through basketball and that's one thing like I spent a year in junior college and um, you hear the most interesting stories mm-hmm. because you're getting people from so many different walks of lives. I mean we had someone on our team from Denmark we had someone on our team from Boston we had someone on our team from New York Vegas you know California like different socioeconomic like, realities you know yeah. it's just it's very interesting and like I had experienced that a lot through like AAU and stuff but it's still only guys from LA that I was playing with right so different neighborhoods in LA but it was still just LA Mm -hmm. but then to experience a team with like guys from all over the world like it was very interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, you get exposed to all these different people you learn it's like you don't get to travel to those places that they live from but their experience their yeah. direct experience you almost feel like you've been you, there absolutely yeah. and you kind of realize like a lot of the experiences that you may face where you were growing up mm-hmm. aren't that unique to you they're actually pretty yeah universal yeah, across the board you know obviously yeah situations are different yeah different countries are different but a lot of the things the nuances that you go through being a kid that plays basketball yeah. in life you know a lot of other they relate Relatable, to that too yeah. you know and, and it brings sure. you together Leads to many, many fascinating relationships, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I have an interesting friend group, and I could say 85% of them is through basketball. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of them couldn't be more different people, but, like, this kind of bridges all of us, like, the game. 
It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful it really game. Is. It's a beautiful game. Sure. You know, and 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 it bring, it brings people together, and like that's the, like, if you can do something, that can find a way to also bring people together. Yeah. Ooh. It's special. It's special. Yeah. That's why like, what we've been doing. Like, just with our trainings and everything, like, how neutral everything is and how, like, we're allowed to bring in, like, have people from different clubs that are being able to train together and build friendships and stuff that maybe wouldn't get the opportunity if they're just sticking to their clubs or even our older guys, like, getting different guys from different universities in the gym together, competing every day, like, it just makes them better, but it's also, like, building a little basketball family together, mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. and it's been super beautiful, like, this last seven weeks so far that you know we've been back from covid like that kind of family like bonding that we've been having on the court lately mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's yeah it's 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 a it's a family away from like your family even it's like a family like away from when you're at school yeah you know it's like a little cohort of you guys you know and it's with the same goal mm-hmm. that's you know it I mean? that's like the thing that is so special is these guys might you know, never know each other, but then they get in the like on the court together, and they all have this same goal that they're working towards. So mm-hmm. it makes everyone so like in a unique situation that they have like no choice but to bond almost. Yeah, because it's in positive environment. Yeah, you know? for sure. And you learn a lot of lessons through sports that you necessarily wouldn't learn yeah. outside of sports. And the, saying that, the contrary is like same thing. If you're like you, you do music in mm-hmm. in like elementary or you know school or whatever and you're doing you play in a band or you're in a yeah. choir you know you're around music yeah. for a, an extended period of time there's certain stuff you learn from music like a lot of people yeah. who actually do music and can play notes and stuff like mm-hmm. that like they're very very intelligent yeah i mean people anyone who could put their like energy towards a specific skill or like something like that like playing an instrument or playing a sport or something and is like dedicated enough to like work to the point where they're, they're at like a top percent in the world for what they do, mm-hmm. which is quietly if you think like a lot of people, because only 1% of high school basketball players in the States play university ball. Mm-hmm. But so like if you could work your way into a 1% and like you've put so much passion and energy into that, it means you have like a very strong work ethic and like you have certain things that translate over outside of that sport. Absolutely. It's the same thing with music. Like, these people are so artistically, like, um, special, and they're able to, like, demonstrate, like, how they feel and express their feelings in so many different ways, and, like, they could work towards that, and so, like, in other aspects of their life, that just carries over. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it, yeah, it translates, directly Mm -hmm. translates, and it contributes to whatever you decide to, you know, to do after. Um, You lived in California and Calgary. Lives in both places. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting, <laughs> very opposite. Very, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 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 c- contrasting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which did you like better, and why? I've actually gotten this question a lot of times. I know. It's like, um, I would say, if I had to raise a family, I would pick Calgary. Mm-hmm. And like, if I wanted to stable place that like, if I had to put my whole life into one place, it would be Calgary. Mm-hmm. But nothing beats like six weeks in California. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, my my life there, it was like I loved it. But at the same time, I still miss Calgary. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. and I feel like I just got to a point where five years into it, I was like, this is like 
an extended vacation now. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like I don't really fully belong here. In a sense, like, I just, you know, I missed Canada. And obviously things are just getting worse and worse there. Mm-hmm. By the time, like, 2016 was when Trump was elected. And that's when I graduated high school. So, I don't know. I, I would probably say that Calgary doesn't get enough credit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't what? mean that. I just feel like. You know, if you get stuck living there your whole life and you don't live anywhere else, you might start to resent it. Mm-hmm. And so you might start bashing it and like, but that's just because you haven't experienced anything else. Mm-hmm. And like I've lived in BC too. And I've lived in New Brunswick and like, I've just gotten a deeper appreciation for Calgary when I was in other places. But I feel like if you stay in the city your whole life, you might not have that appreciation for it. That makes sense. You know, yeah. um, there's some people that live in one city the, their whole life, yeah. you know, they never... Uh, live anywhere else and I don't know sometimes uprooting makes sense sometimes it doesn't you know, yeah. it depends on everybody's situation but sometimes you can kind of manifest where it is you want to go mm-hmm. no that's that's facts for sure like mm-hmm. you've even talked about it like you want to travel you want to yeah. there's certain things that you have to put pen on paper and actually try to follow through with yeah it's it's I don't know life is interesting you never know where it takes you yeah. whether it's through basketball whether it's through you know whatever it is that you do business whatever podcast you never know you know sometimes if you put enough energy into like your the stuff that you like doing yeah. it could take you yeah. places like you can, that's for sure. reality of it you know yeah. and that's why it's like you know yeah you might be one triponi but you might be like a master yeah man, you know and especially social media wise like it's so much easier to connect with people from different places mm-hmm. that if your skill or whatever you are in is social media based or social media driven, you have a better chance of traveling probably. Mm -hmm. That's just how it is. Even for basketball training, like we've talked about, like had the opportunity to go to Korea last summer. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go to Japan. Like got a job offer to work with um, this DJ's Hackman in China for three months. Like there's, it just naturally becomes because basketball is a universal thing and Mm -hmm. social media pushes so much of it that it connects people from different countries and it allows like that travel to happen. I think there's other like different like works that, our social media driven that would allow for a lot of travel through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like, you know, it's like another, so like when the internet came, it was like the internet, everything was on the internet. Yeah. It wasn't at first, but like, you know, yeah. then like social media is like just like an extension mm-hmm. of that, you know, it's like one more yeah. place where, you know, you, if you have a business, if you have art, if you create whatever, mm-hmm. it's like one more platform that it yeah. can be shown on, you know? I liked what you said the other day. Um, when you said your Instagram's your business card. Yeah. I like that. It like, is, I yeah. never thought about it that way. Like, we're talking as far as, like, websites and stuff, and, mm-hmm. like, when you look at it, Instagram is your business card because it's, it's what you give to, to showcase yourself mm-hmm. and to contact yourself, and, like, yeah. I never really looked at it like that. But I have a physical business card. Yeah. You know, but it kind of depends. Like, my physical business card is, like, more... Like a formal, like you know, situational. situational. You know what I mean? But then, like for creating stuff, yeah. you know, Instagram is you know, Instagram a website. I, I have fun with like messing yeah. around with websites and stuff. Yeah. I have fun with it. I just like it's a full time job though too. It is. <laughs> like, it is. I've definitely like, I resented it at like when I first started kind of getting into like the training business. Like, I just seen so how many people like. It felt like maybe it was forced. Mm-hmm. But then once I found, like, my niche and, like, your kind of pocket where it's not forced and you're genuine, then, like, it becomes easier. And also Absolutely. having, like, a schedule or, like, a cycle mm-hmm. on how you run it. But 
it was tough for me at first because I don't like being on camera. Like, my dad always, like, made fun of me that, like, I hate, like, getting recorded while I, like, ball handle <laughs> and stuff like that, even though that's what's going to make me who I am, probably. Mm-hmm. But it was tough for me at first. Like, I didn't just naturally like being filmed. So the social media aspect took a while for me. But I realized, like, it's importance and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've been, like, full-fledged into it in the most genuine way possible. But Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can tell... Like, through content, you can, like, tell so many... There's so many ways to tell stories through content. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And it's, like, it's just one piece of content. Mm-hmm. You, people tell stories through music, yeah. poetry, so art. Really you know, you can tell a different story with each piece of content. Skits. Skits, yeah. yeah you, like, know, you know, stand-up. Yeah. You know, these are all different forms of art. Mm-hmm. And art is, is, like, you decide if it's, if it's good or not. Nobody else decides. You decide it. You know? You know? I go up here and I do the podcast. I go, I'm gonna be myself. Yeah, and you know, people rock with that. That's sick. Yeah, people don't rock with that. It's not gonna change. How you oh well, yeah. you know, I came on here. You know, mm-hmm. have re- like real, like genuine conversations. And I think that's what kind of sets. It doesn't set you apart, but it's something that makes you special and is in like your platform and like Andre and just the fact that you don't force it. You know what I mean? Like you are natural and. You can't say that for everyone. Like, a lot of people aren't, like, just being themselves. And they try to cater to what people would like. And you're mm-hmm. doing the opposite in the sense you're just doing what you would like and what you feel comfortable and genuine with. And then it's up to the consumers to decide if they like it or not. There's people that do it the other way around and say, okay, what is the consumer like? So let me just f- try to really fit that mold or that image so that I could cater to these people. Yeah, but that's draining. It's tough. And I see it. Like, I see it in so many different, like, businesses and content creators and stuff. And you could almost tell after a while. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you could tell it's draining. And, like, it's just, at what point is it, like, what are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For me, it's, like, I just try to keep, like, my, my inner child alive. Yeah. Like, the creativity. I feel that. You know, when I was a kid, I was, you know, I was a class clown. Yeah. You know, which means I liked, I liked speaking. I liked... You know, yeah. being like you know, uh, I like the like the attention. Yeah. From, you know, I like to make <laughs> people laugh yeah, and shit. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying I like being humorous. I like yeah. to have the comedy. I like saying funny things. I just like I like to speak. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, but I also liked music. Yeah. You know, and I liked basketball and like all these things that you do as a as a child and as a kid. Mm-hmm. You either like carry them with you into adulthood, yeah, or you just. Drop, drop them, them yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's kind of a shame if you just dropped all the things that made you unique yeah, up until sure. all those years just to, you know, fit into society yeah. kind of thing, you know? And it's like, doesn't that, that doesn't that get exhausting? Like, yeah, no. It's like you're almost trying to keep up with a facade. Like, you're not able to fully, like, let your hair down and just, like, be yourself through, like, all your aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. That's like, kind of, a conversation that I feel like I have a lot with you and your brother and like our friend group is that like I feel like everyone is truly who they are you mm-hmm. know everyone's able to just be themselves around each other and that's like what helps us like push each other and motivate each other but also like we're never trying to be someone we're not I feel like around mm-hmm. each other and I feel like that's rare 
That's why who you surround yourself with is so important. It's so so important. If, you, if you surround yourself with people like trying to maintain an image, yeah, you might get caught up in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. But if you're always around people who are the genuine genuine selves or positive people and like you always hear like your parents say that too when you're young like mm-hmm. like who you surround yourself <laughs> with. and like as a kid like you kind of like it makes sense but like you also are like you know like, it's what you're talking about yeah, yeah. yeah like you're you're not really thinking about it actively like in your conscious but as you get older it's like the older and older you get like the more it makes sense like you yeah. have to actually be the, around the right people yeah you do because I've seen people who are the right people, but they're around the wrong people, and it just alters their life, like, mm-hmm. so much. It's, 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 it's one of those choices, you know, yeah. that you have to kind of make throughout your life. And some of them, some of the choices are difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, you do come across people that are like, yo, this is a toxic person. Yeah. And it's like, if I keep, you know, associating myself with this person, it might drive me to mm-hmm. a place where I don't want to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You no. know what I mean? So... You know, you have to make... They're d- hard decisions. Yeah. And the hard decisions are the ones that are that help you grow yeah. in life. You know, that really, like, big steps in between the next thing, you know. So, it's very necessary, man. And, like, you know, my bro, you know, you, you know, that cohort, yeah. that Calgary cohort that, you know, I'm so familiar with, you know, mm-hmm. through basketball. Yeah. It's like, I see a bunch of, you know, young guys that are hungry, that want to do make impact somehow some way mm-hmm. you know but they do want to do it by themselves like for themselves genuinely yeah, yeah. you know whether it's to basketball whether it's to x there's so many guys yeah. from out of calgary that i know and have a, a good relationship with and they all have unique like grinds yeah it's like i never really seen yeah so much different stuff yeah i never yeah. seen a, like a group of people that are into so many different lanes mm-hmm. some some are in fashion yeah. music football fitness right you know um just clothing you know like there's so many different like basketball it's so great to see like people finding their passion Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because that's that's something not to like fully get like you can't take advantage of that because a lot of people don't find their passion yeah like it's it's a luxury man like it's a luxury to have a to have a a passion yeah and then if you can monetize that obviously the better yeah, but it's like it comes when you don't think about the money. Yeah, you know, it comes when you just you just doing it just because you like doing it, mm-hmm. and you find a way to make some money on it, but you still enjoy doing it, and then you keep on doing it and doing it. It adds up. It's yeah. So many reps, you know. That's what I realized. Like, it's all no matter what it is, you learn it from basketball. Yeah. But it translates to everything. It's it's mm-hmm. about the reps, you know. You make you miss a couple of shots, you know. Yeah. Feet weren't the right way. You know, but then you fix it the next time, and you keep trying to fix it and fix yeah. it, and eventually you, you nail it, yeah. and it becomes, and then it's about making it habit. Yeah, a funny like kind of topic that me and Bars were talking about on our Instagram, like the benefit of basketball allowing you to be in other people's, like kind of how we we're talking about learn other people's cultures, but like how sport creates like such a brotherhood that you get to kind of have the luxury of some people who might not play sports who are stuck in a little bubble that they might not meet people of these other cultures and like have that appreciation because like with everything going on right now and like you start seeing like like everything with the athletes and like there's a case in um a d1 football school where a coach there's a facebook like picture of him wearing a shirt that had something to do with like a white supremacist party 
and a bunch of his players took to Twitter and was like, we won't come back and play for this team. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, I think, Oklahoma right? State, yeah. yeah. And like to see like white players get behind that and everything and just to think that not a lot of workplaces that would happen. Mm-mm. But sports just develops like a different understanding and appreciation for other people that I think a lot of other workspaces don't. Yeah, because you know, with basketball, you go to war with these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a different level of trust for sure on a basketball team or a sports team. Sports team. You know, if you're a quarterback, you have to trust your your linemen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, it's not even just like the playing part of it, but just like the day to day. Like these these people are living together most likely like mm-hmm. as a team. Absolutely. Um, like the weight room, like the conditioning workouts, the study halls, the going to class when you're tired, like all that stuff also fits in and is as important as like the trust on the court or the field or whatever like Mm. just that experience of like going through stuff with people you really get to learn like their core values as a person and like because you get to go through all this stuff with them and live with them and like i'm so appreciative of that because even at an early age playing like aau if you looked at our team in calgary you couldn't find like two of the same race on our team chinese filipino East Indian, like, African, white, like, everything. Hmm. And so at an early age, I became, like, brothers to so many people who, like, would be eating different foods at their house, learning about different religions and stuff like that. And some kids don't get that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like I said, it's a luxury, man. Yeah. The lessons you take, the, the, the values you develop through this sport is beautiful. And it's like, and then it's like, this is a disappointment. If there's people that play the sport that don't embody this stuff, yeah. then it's they get exposed though. It's exposed, yeah. Yeah. And you see that with things going on. Like I love that. I love when people get exposed. Like mm. some people are mad about like the like a lot of racists getting exposed on Twitter and stuff, being like, Oh, it's ruining their lives. But that's good. Because mm. these people that are in these like positions, like nurses and stuff like that, getting exposed or like people in law school. If they don't get exposed now and they make it to whatever field that they end up in, that's systematic racism. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I love to see that. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's been one of my favorite things on yeah. Twitter the last two months. Me too. I, I, I enjoy <laughs> seeing the... <laughs> it's really great. The, 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 the Twitter social justice. Yeah, you know? that's amazing. I, I, I like to see that stuff, you know. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, White people need to like be a part of this with us, and a lot of them this time around are. Mm-hmm. But we still need more, you know. Yeah. We need like protests have to keep continuing, you know. Yeah. Conversations need to keep happening in city council, you know. There needs to be that sense of urgency, and you know, it's not dying down because now people are in the rooms. Yeah, I but mean, we talked to Calgary and Edmonton have yeah. both had like sit-ins and had actual conversations Absolutely. it's just the fact that the media gets to control like how much of it we're seeing mm-hmm. is they can make it seem like it's died down like there's protests thank god for twitter first of all mm-hmm. but like i've seen protests going on now in cities that you would have never have thought still have protests mm-hmm. but just because the media is not showing it so it's making it seem like you know you quiet that back mm-hmm. down and like we should still pro- we should, we should still, still be pushing. protesting yeah you know we should still be like, protesting yeah yeah, and just having that conversation. But like you said, like, definitely it's the w- white people have to treat it like it's affecting them directly for this to matter. Because mm-hmm. if they're just going to keep on acting like it's a problem that they're helping with, other than that they're the problem that needs to be solved, 
and then like I just feel like this time around you see it more than ever probably but you also see the exposure of how many people are against it more than ever mm-hmm. which is nuts and that's it's it's what's done in the dark has to come out in the light yeah. eventually and you're seeing it I feel like with the mixture of the coronavirus and people getting stuck inside and are being like pent up mm-hmm. mixed in with everything going on racially in America it's like a ticking time bomb and you see it every day absolutely and like it's it's scary in a sense cause like put yourself in a situation where like some of that crazy stuff happens like someone like at a store someone's wilding out and decides to act like how they've been acting mm-hmm. that's a tough position to be in it's a very tough position to be in and it's like you know what do you do <laughs> that's just, you gotta do something yeah. you know um, you have to do something and it's like I hate to be the guy to say this, cause I, but I admit when I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and sometimes the violence is necessary. Oh, 100%. You know, like right now, I'd say right now, at this point, I do condone the violence to keep continue to happen because the, we've seen, like, history has shown us when we peace, peacefully protest, they don't give a shit. Yeah. When we start to riot... Then they start to give a shit. When yeah. you start to get out there and protest and like, yeah. you know, be active, with, be, active yeah. be like on the front lines and, 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 and demand things, demand justice, demand equality. Yeah. Demand these things. Do you ever feel like there, there's only uh, a certain level that could take you to the? No, I don't. Do you feel like, do it's you me. feel like through that? The proper changes could be made. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a it's tough. It's very tough, but it's it ha- it has to be done, man. Yeah. I mean, revolutions are, are are given to those who take it. Yeah, you know you have to take it, and that's what I'm starting to realize. Like all in history, all the things that happened, mm-hmm. all the changes that were made. You know, you have to take it. Yeah, you you nobody's gonna sit there. We can't wait for you guys to do it for us. No, you know but in saying? a sense, like there has to be other things attached to mm-hmm. the protest to push it forward. Absolutely. That's more what I meant. Absolutely. Like the the protests, the march, the riots will get to to a certain point, but from Absolutely. that certain point, there then has to be internal changes. Mm-hmm. It has to be it's it's combination of everything. Yeah, yeah, you for know? sure. It's, no, it's an all-around I, game. 100% agree. You know, yeah. people think it's 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 more than one lane and and you know, it's co- it's about coming together. Yeah. You know, teamwork, that brotherhood, you know, and that that common goal that you were talking about you with basketball you get in that on that court you don't know where these people come from but the goal yeah. is the same it's the same thing with this you know the goal is the same we want equality mm-hmm. you know so there's levels and there's different things that different people are good at and they have to come together and use your strengths right. use those strengths and, and you know make things happen and that's how you push the conversation yeah. you know maybe I'm not good at you know writing okay but i'm good at research okay then right. i contribute that way maybe i'm good at protesting you know maybe i'm good at you know find your niche yeah you find your niche within the movement i think i've really like kind of gravitated towards the the wanting to have conversations with other people and mm-hmm. like the educational part of it because education i feel like that's something that everyone could do you know what i mean is and i feel like it's really important for anyone who has 
um, a voice that reaches children and people who sometimes don't have these conversations who are only getting their information off of what they see to learn something else mm-hmm. from someone else. I think that's super important. And just for them to have someone to talk to if they have questions about it. Sometimes Absolutely. you don't feel comfortable in your own home, some of these kids having these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important too. My pops always used to tell me like the fundamental um, form of communication is talking. Yeah. You know? And if you have you know, if you have kids and you don't actually have conversations, like actual yeah, conversations real life conversations. Real, real life conversations with them, then then they will never be able for all the things that happen in the world, you know what I mean? Um that's one thing about my pops and you know, you've worked with your dad too, you know. Like that conversation piece is very important, important. You know, that dialogue that you have with your pops and you know, you know what they went through and you can avoid a lot of the mistakes they made. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's the same thing for the next generation, absolutely. like for us with our children. Like you're gonna have to you don't want them to make mistakes mm-hmm. you made. You want everything to be better for them in a sense. So like it's almost your role and your job to try to pass down and like to have serious conversations like about everything. Absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. schools aren't gonna teach you that much. Schools <laughs> the school system here is I have, I never went to like school school here in Alberta. Yeah. I went to university. So like my only um reference is university right which was it was in but you know my understanding is the high school system doesn't do due diligence yeah i got to go to high school in calgary either so mm-hmm. it's probably tough for me to say but just the education system in general from my understanding and kind of like everywhere to be honest like they only cater to certain things that you learn right Even just as far as, like, I think the high school system, how I took classes, like, should be changed. There should be more, like, university, high school, like, that you take things specific to. Like, there should be some broad things you need to learn, like, with writing and stuff. But you should be able to pick things that can relate to your life and your passions and what you're interested in. More like university. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, man, I took chemistry. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even remember what chemistry, like, anything about it. I'm never going to use chemistry. I took chemistry twice, and uh, it, it gives you, like, like if you're ever reading something about, you know, science and chemistry, it gives you a little bit of understanding. But I wish That's really instead it. of chemistry, I took a class about how mortgages and buying a house works oh, and how, like, loans and, like, interest plans and, like, works mm-hmm. how, like, to work, like, through a bank or how to start a company, how to get an LLC, how to do these things, how to do taxes. I wish I would have learned that. Yeah, that would be so valuable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've, I think that that stuff is super valuable and, like, you know, for me personally, I had to go out and learn a lot of that stuff myself. You know, I don't, I didn't have any understanding of it. You know, even in school, I didn't really learn anything about it. Yeah. But what school had taught me, university, was how to access information. Yeah, that's how. You know, how to find information, how to know when information is credible. Yeah. That's one thing that school taught me that I'm like, okay, this is. And how to understand that. And how to understand that information yeah. and implement it, you yeah. know. So. You know, education is super powerful, no matter what form of education it is, Mm -hmm. whether it's self-education, whether it's formal education. So the the narrative that, like, going to college or going to university is dead, like, I don't agree with it because Mm -hmm. maybe I'm biased because I went to college. I got a a university education, Mm -hmm. and it showed me a different way to look at things. 
You know what yeah. I mean? I so, think everyone's route's different. I don't think, like, it should be forced upon anyone, but, like you said, any education is good education. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows you to meet new people, and there could be opportunities that could come from your school. And, I mean, my brother, he graduated with a natural science degree and a minor in communications. Well, one of his professors from his minors in communication paid for his master's, hired him uh, to work for him as a research assistant. He still does work for this uh, teacher to this day. Mm. And you know, it's helped him become a professor at SAIT. He does different things. And um, it was an opportunity through school. So, mm. you know, school does, so, yeah. there's a lot of benefits to it. It's just not for everyone. It's not for, it's not for everyone. And you know, what it is, is it gives you a different lens yeah. To look at like life, you know, so there's a lot of things I wish like I'm a sociology major or like that's what I graduated in, yeah. and there is like stuff that I wish I didn't have to focus so much time on. Like I really Karl Marx and all those guys from way back. Like I wish that wasn't so much focused and you could have learned like. But I understand you need. The I think base it was really crucial for me. It was crucial for me for understanding like. You know, capitalism and, and certain and things, certain, certain ma- major, major components to these people's theories mm-hmm. and stuff. But the focus on these people, some of it was, I feel like, redundant. Mm-hmm. And like, a lot of people in the class almost took it as, you know, you just have to learn this just to get a grade. Where in some of my other classes, like a media class or a social, or yeah, like a sociology of food class, I took it, different stuff like that. I didn't really feel like I was just sitting there to get a grade. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like it was something I could put into my real life, like, work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... You take, in things, you, take, you take certain things, like, one of the things I did in university, uh, I took French. Mm-hmm. I said, yo, let me just get a language credit from French. Uh, I took it twice, you know? And it gave me, like, that foundation. Similar to how I had, like, a foundation before I went to Iran. Right. My foundation was... People think, like, oh, I'm Persian and I speak Farsi at home. Mm-hmm. My family doesn't really speak. We, we're pretty like Westernized. Yeah. We still speak. We speak English to each other. You know, yeah. um, they talk like Farsi, mm-hmm. but like you know, but for the most part. So my foundation was more from like my, like I was, like yeah. I was saying, my inner child. Like you know, mm-hmm. um, my mom used to send me to like Iranian school to learn, mm-hmm. you know, Farsi, and then it was all every Saturday. You know, after a while I stopped going, but I still had that little foundation, core. that core. Understanding the language, understanding the the phrases, mm-hmm. you know, I can't read or write, but like I can speak, speak yeah. fluently, you know. So then when I went to Iran, it was like, oh shoot, it's all coming back now. Yeah, you know, it became, it, it became more natural. So now I feel like okay, if I ever go to France, I have that same foundation because I took yeah. it for so long in school. Yeah. You know, so I'm just <laughs> waiting. For, you know, I'm waiting. <laughs> Let's go to France, man. I'm yeah. trying to manifest it and make it happen. And, and I'm, I'm taking French right now. I just signed up for two French classes. Mm-hmm. I need to learn because my girlfriend speaks French, and mm-hmm. you know, I need to I need to know for that for sure. But I'm starting to like some of the things I remember from like elementary school. But I wish I took it serious back then. Knowing mm-hmm. what I know now, I wish I took it serious. Yeah, but that's hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Right? You know, but, I mean, I'll, I'll pick it up and then we could dip out to Paris from Fashion it. Week. I'm with it. You know. <laughs> Let me test my, you know, wee oui, wee, oui. c'est yeah. bon. You know, got <laughs> the accents play. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, it, like learning a, like a second language is like is it, it does a lot for your not just your like not just your like multifaceted. You can speak multiple languages, yeah. even like your. English communication 
gets a lot yeah. it changes it. It gets yeah. a lot more refined. It's something that like I really feel like I've lacked my whole life. Like my girlfriend speaks like hella languages and she's mm-hmm. always like I remember when I first met her, I was like texting her and she's like, Oh, I wanna learn like this, this, this and that but she already speaks four languages. I'm mm-hmm. like, damn but she also explained like it gets easier once you certain languages are like more similar and stuff and like you start learning but I've like I really do want to like pick up a second language because everyone that like speaks multiple languages always tell me that like it helps everything so much. It does absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you know I need to throw that French in. When I was in Korea, blender. I tried to pick up like a few things and like I remember some things, but it was tough. Like their grammar rules and stuff are like so different, and like mm-hmm. there's so many things. Like if you walk into a room, you're supposed to like haseo, and, and then like when you're leaving, like haseo, and it's like little differences in words but like they sound the same but they mean like two completely different things and like mm-hmm. little stuff like that i was trying to pick it up but it's tough in a short period of time it's to do tough. that it's tough it's tough to get that but yeah. like even like um like imagine trying to learn cantonese that's the yeah. language like the language you speak in china like yeah. right i think cantonese and mandarin yeah is two and i think one of them has like i don't know maybe over 200 like letters yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so it's like imagine having to learn all that yeah, you know so and i know some people i know some people that's like some black guys that speak cantonese mm-hmm. like really well like they live in china and yeah. stuff and you know it's like how did you learn yeah that's no, so tough that's a lot of patience too you know but you know and then there's a I, i'm trying to watch that uh that bruce lee yeah documentary move like water or something. be water, be water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's tough i wanted to watch it i tried to find it the other day just like like a movie set and stuff, I couldn't find it, so I'm gonna have to try to get that. I actually have a link. Someone sent me a link. I followed that to you. Yeah, so I have to just I have to load it up on the Mac, but you know, yeah. watch it. <laughs> you know. Well, I was watching like the last dance. Like I finished all ten episodes by like the second week because I got like a link to it, mm. and I like couldn't wait. It was so addictive. Really? And I regretted it by the end. Everyone was like watching the last two episodes. And I like that. It, like I, I like that. I had to wait. Yeah, miss it, it was just weeks. tough, like, because I was looking, it was also when, like, nothing was on, and coronavirus just, like, locked us up, so I was fiending for something. Well, they actually, when the lockdown happened, they, they sped it the up, yeah, yeah, they yeah. sped it, it up. It was supposed so. to, like, come on July or something like that, yeah. and they moved it all the way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. power move. <laughs> I mean. Super smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's being proactive, not reactive. Yeah. And they say, hey, we gotta, you know, get this, get this, get this out there, because everybody's at home. Yeah. And it was good. I, I it was super good. It was really good. Yeah. It definitely got me in my Jordan bag for a little bit, like, watching old games on YouTube. Like, I found a YouTube account that, like, posts random games of his, like, full games where it just shows every shot he took. And, like, man, just so different. His stats are actually nuts. If people really take them in, like, you sh- there's only one year ever he didn't average over 30 in the finals. Five out of six years over 30, one year over 40. Like, <laughs> That's actually nuts. <laughs> yeah, and, like, just, if you watch his, like, look at his game logs in the playoffs, like, a series, like, five games, he would go, like, 35, 20, 45, 45, 52, or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. it would just be a nuts. Like, every night he would be putting up, like, unbelievable numbers, scoring numbers. Yeah. Like, bro, nobody ever averaged over 20 on the team with Jordan. That's a very interesting stat. Pippen wasn't out there getting 20 a night. No, he wasn't. His prime, he was, I think it was 19 points. 19, yeah. Like, but Rodman averaged six points a game or something, something like that. Yeah, it's a lot of extra on. shots. Yes, yeah, for Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's just different. Him and Kobe, just different. I, I, that's why I always, like, 
when you when you compare them, yeah. they're the same. You know, yeah. it's just like Kobe. He was more skilled. You know, he played in a very. I think he played in a much tougher era, because you had to go up against AI, T Mac. You got to see what BC. Kobe was doing in the playoffs from like 07 to 2010. Mm-hmm. San Antonio Spurs, the Nuggets, the Suns, all 50 win teams, and Houston. Yeah. Okay, these teams used to get like. Kobe would just like, <laughs> dismantle it. Was actually them. Bad. It, was, it was tough to watch. And it was always the teams with the best defenders. Mm-hmm. He took it so personal. Shane Battier, oh, huh, Roger yeah, Bell, yeah. Bruce Bowen, just all the all the guys who are like supposed to be lockup defenders, forty on their head every night. It was, it was actually beautiful. It was, it was beautiful to watch. And it's like just that whole like playoff run for like four or five years there, when he still had a little bit of hair with the two four. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. That was a different way. That yeah. was a different Kobe, man. He was that was his that was him at like, I I have two points where I think yeah he was at his best. Okay, let's so, hear because I have I have my own opinion mm-hmm. on this. So oh six to about ten, so thirty five points a game to second yeah, ring, yeah, to, to fifth ring, yeah. That four okay. years for yeah. him was because the two thousand ten year, I think he had like six game winners or five game winners. So, or was it two thousand nine? No. That, yeah, 2009. It was the, the year he didn't win MVP, though. Yeah, no. Th- so, he won MVP, I'm pretty sure, the year they lost to Boston in yep, the finals. Yeah, exactly. The next year when they won against the Magic was the year that he hit all those games. Yes, sure. and th- it was six games. Yeah. Those six games, if they lose three of those games... Yeah, I've seen some crazy <laughs> stat. Like, they, like, drop from, like, th- for, at the first top to, to, like, yeah, like seven or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, crazy. That... Is nuts. Yeah. You have to... I'm sorry. Like, LeBron had a great year. They won sixty games. You got to give Kobe that MVP and and a ring. And he got a ring. Yeah, he got yeah, the ring. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty sure like he still that was like a 29 points per game year mm-hmm. or something like that. Which and then and then 20 right before he ruptured his Achilles. Okay. 2013. Those That's were his a, two best. Do you think that year his he was different that year? Like yeah. he was like he was force feeding that team to wins. Force feeding, yeah. but he was so it was so refined. It looked so effortless. That was like probably the prime of him not using his athleticism at yeah. all and still putting up thirty a night. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. See, my two favorite Kobe's actually share one of them with bars is last ring with Shaq yeah. era, that, huh? where he's like now all of a sudden like putting up better numbers than Shaq, mm-hmm. damn near night in night out. That whole playoff run on his last ring. He was going mental. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he averaged over thirty in he the, before the finals, yeah. like in that playoff series. Um, so tail end of Shaq, and then like post rape Shaq or Kobe, like kind of around there where mm-hmm. he was just not passing the ball and he had so much Parker. That I was think disgusting, those Kobe. Crazy two years. So like the 04 to 06. Mm-hmm. So Shaq leave or the 03. So like the last ring to. Shaq leaving and then him getting stuck with the worst team of mm-hmm. all time in basketball. Mm-hmm. I think that Kobe is crazy, and then obviously the the ring coat like Gasol Kobe. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I don't love like the the 2010 Kobe or the 2008 Kobe. Like the year he hit all those game winners is good, but before they started winning the rings, but the West was just stacked. It was super stacked. Like he was going against a tough Spurs team, <laughs> like well Spurs team that far out Cleveland and like. Mm-hmm. LeBron <laughs> averaged 20 on, like, 30-some percent shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a good Spurs team. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of those guys in their prime. Like, that's Tony Parker's prime, damn near. Because, like, yeah. Ginobili's prime. Not Duncan's, but he was still a 22-10 and 10 guy. That Kobe was tough. Because 
He didn't have a good team. No, he didn't. He was still getting wins. Even though, like, the team he won with, with Gasol and them. It was, it was not that good, man. Oh, not that yeah, good. Yeah, Derek Fisher has his point guard. <laughs> Derek Fisher's not good. Well, you know what? When you have a triangle, you don't need a good point guard. Yeah, he never had a good point guard. Mm-hmm. Never like, known. he always had tail end people. Like, he had Gary Payton when he was in his oh, last yeah. year. Like, he sucked. Like, a lot of Derek Fisher. Too much Jordan Farmer. Too much Smush Parker. Too mm-hmm. much Steve Blake. He has some bad point guards, man. Mm-hmm. I like Steve speaking. Blake, though. Yeah. I actually, he was a good six man. Yeah, but these guys were playing big minutes at the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, Bonham was good and then just became a good role player Mm -hmm. after injuries. Gasol was obviously a good second option, but he's not, like, a Kyrie. He's not, he's not, not like... Wade. You know what I mean? Like, but they had good role players. They had runner tests. They have Chenerizas. Like, they had guys who played their roles, but that wasn't great teams. You know what, man? What makes something successful is when it's repeatable. Yeah. You know, we saw Shaq win with Kobe, right? Kobe win with Shaq, you know. But that success with a guy like Kobe, yeah. with that system, was repeatable. Yeah, they just need Gasol. to find the pieces. And, and sometimes basketball is like finding that perfect piece. It's not always about getting the best player. No, they didn't have the best team, but the way they played as a team and like together and like people knew what Kobe's role was mm-hmm. and they knew to feed off of him and like as much as people say he didn't pass when you really he, look at those years he, that he, he won was he's oh he's, he's still I think number one all time like uh, in assists for shooting guards for yeah, sh- yeah, uh, yeah for non point guards yeah. yeah so I mean yeah people people sleep on like the fact that he figured out how to win mm-hmm. he did figure out how to win he's the only guy who dismantled a, a franchise and built it right back up yeah. you know nobody stays with the franchise to do all that granted like he did want to trade but he never Went through with it. At Never the end did. of the day, he's still yeah. stuck with the Lakers, mm-hmm. so you can't knock him against that. Absolutely. And he could have, he could have cut many of times. He had enough chances, yeah. but you know, he has a different type of. I don't know. Kobe was different. Yeah, <laughs> the relationship like people have with Kobe, yeah. it's like you know. Well, him and Iverson made me fall in love with basketball. Really? Yeah, yeah, I made me fall in love with basketball too. But my favorite player was T Mac. Yeah. T Mac is my. A lot of people's favorite player is T Mac. Yeah. It's crazy that people don't understand that. Probably like that or now. Like nowadays, people wouldn't understand what T Mac was like in the mid 2000s. He was filthy. Nuts. He was so. Me and Darian were just watching like T Mac highlights the other day, and it's just nuts the way he was getting buckets. He literally was Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. He played just like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Hezzy pull up threes. Mm-hmm. Come with the behind the back, uh, hang, poop. coming off screens, pulling from long range. Had the mid range game, athletic, long shooting complete, over people. Yeah. He played up, a lot yeah. like Kevin Durant. Yeah. He just put a lot of people on posters yeah. in those early years. But he he was a scorer, like a certified scorer. If he stayed in Toronto, we would have had a ring way before uh, last year. Yeah, you, you know? think if Vince stayed, yeah, that next year they would have had a chance at it. Oh yeah, because they were like, they were they were so dynamic. It's like yeah. that's one of my favorite two cases. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you look at Jordan and Pippen, mm-hmm. they're so dynamic. You can't double team any of them. Same amazing thing with Shaq and Kobe. The main defenders can't double team them. Mm-hmm. You tell me, Team Mac is gonna stay with Vince, two elite yeah. wings? Oh come on! And they like just naturally they would get pieces mm-hmm. through that evolution with that team. They were so young and everything like. But yeah, that's it's sad. It's sad. But he was good, man. His team was, was really good, yeah. bro. And that's and the, and yeah, when people are always like, you know, VC is the guy, was the Toronto guy. Yeah, he was the guy that put Toronto on the map. 
But for me, it, I like so T Mac. T Mac was like, yeah, T Mac was the guy, man. He yeah. had the has, he had everything, man. Yeah. He was so ahead of his time, and like you know, that whole era of shooting guards, Allen Houston, you yeah. know, um, Ray Allen, early years. Well, just I feel like even the era from like the late nineties to like the mid two thousands of just scorers. Like mm-hmm. if you looked at the points per game leaders in some of these years, it was actually nuts. Like I forget if it was I think oh five where Iverson was leading the league with like thirty four. Thirty four, yeah. Yeah. But then you had Kobe who was over thirty. Mm-hmm. You had LeBron over thirty. Mello. Mello over thirty. I'm pretty sure that was the year McGrady was over th- Oh no no no. No, um, McGrady was before. Gilbert Arenas was yep. over thirty. He was at like exactly thirty or something like that. There was like six guys over mm-hmm. thirty points a game. That's nuts. Yeah. That's that's incredible. At, and if you think about the pace of play and the points per game, then compared to now, and these guys are putting up those numbers, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's like they were averaging forty down here. Now it is absolutely. And you know what? That year of basketball was a great year. First of all, yeah. second of all, this is one thing about analysts I hate. You want to be a real analyst? Look at that season and tell me what was different about that season that all the points per game was higher. That's what a, that's what a real a real analyst does. Yeah. Not look at this person's points per game. Like, oh yeah, you know, he's not he's terrible. And he's, he's yeah. no, no, no. Stats don't tell the whole story. Yeah. You know. And these are like tough one on one buckets that these guys are getting. Oh my god. Like, it was like, a one on one matchup every yeah. night. And that's what we're going at people. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it was different. I swear it was different. I love watching like full games or like full game recaps where they show every bucket by certain players in that era because mm-hmm. like. I feel like that's where you could pick up the most stuff. Absolutely. Because that's the most that the game was based on having to beat your defender. Absolutely. And so, like, you could sit there and watch the Mello highlights. Yeah. Like, I, we were laughing about this the other day. The first time since when COVID opened up that I got to work out, um, like, Matthew and Ivan and Darian, I had watched two hours of Carmelo highlights. Mm-hmm. And I had written, like, in this book so much stuff from it because you could literally learn so much from that era. And especially guys like Carmelo, who all their buckets were squaring up and then playing one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kobe was playing one-on-one with people. Like, it wasn't a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. It wasn't a lot of coming off and just pulling off screens. Like, Carmelo's one of my favorites. Carmelo's buckets. my favorite, like, current player. Yeah. You know, just the way he plays. It's always one-on-one, yeah. you know? And, like, one-on-one is actually, like, growing up playing one-on-one, which is the luxury of having a brother, mm-hmm. is, like, you, especially if you're a younger brother, you have to figure, figure out how out. to beat your older brother. Yeah, for sure. You know? And it's, 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 so, it's, a, it's an early example of, like, failing and failing yeah, and failing. Yeah, you get pressure. Failing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, like, I remember when I first moved to California, <laughs> And um, me and Eric Rawwire used to play one-on-one. <laughs> okay. Now, for those who don't know Eric, when I was in eighth grade, I was tiny. Right, mm-hmm. I was five foot two, five foot three, or whatever, uh, hundred pounds. Now, Eric, when he was in ninth grade, <laughs> <I knew. laughs> was six four, two fifteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? He looked like Julius Randle to me. Mm-hmm. So that's so funny. You know, we would play our one-on-ones outside and stuff. But when it got serious, he would turn into that Julius Randle and just keep spinning off me. (laughs) But I wanted to fight. I was so mad. I remember him just laughing and stuff. But it made me figure things out. And that's Mm -hmm. the same as, like, playing one-on-one with my dad when I was young. He's 6'4", right? Long arms, like, all that stuff. So I had to learn, like, all these hezzies and, like, offer them shots, offer them floaters, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And it stuck with me to this day where I feel comfortable against big players or different players because... 
you know, I'm used to it. And it's made me more creative. I feel like the most creative people on the court are people who are bred out of situations like yeah, that. Absolutely. That played against bigger, stronger people when they're young and had to figure it out. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's a luxury yeah. to be able to play against someone and have to figure that thing, those things out. It's like how bars, same thing. I used to bully bars and, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> post them up yeah. and, like, you know, try out new, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. eventually he got way bigger than me yeah. and, like, all the stuff he was doing, he was able to do it, like, me, but way better yeah, than yeah. me now, you know? It's, like, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting to see, like, people's canvas. Yeah. Everybody's art form. Like, you can see, like, you know, two guys that are from New York and know they come from New York by the way that they play. 100%. But, like, they still play so different. It, it's so crazy how the basketball, the way somebody that plays can tell you about, like, their story, yeah, you know how they grew up playing 100%. this game, you yeah. know why they, you know, you could tell when like someone has a certain sauce to their game, like where it comes from, or mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, that's that's a big fact. It's and also like how basketball is different, geog- like in California compared to New York. Mm-hmm. Like New York people, East Coast people make fun of California players because they say they're soft. Mm-hmm. That's like the ongoing joke. Social media, everywhere, like, oh, you guys are soft, mm-hmm. fancy, flashy. Hoopers. All the top NBA guys are from LA. <laughs> like I just seen the stat. California has the most amount of number one draft picks in the NBA, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Like, divided by two, and then you get New York. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it comes down to it. Like, that soft thing is just – it's just because they play different, and it's just a different style. Like, they're, on my Juco, there's a guy from New York, 6'5", big, big body. Like, big body. Nothing but Hezzies. Mm-hmm. Hezzies only. Mm-hmm. I thought he was Kemba Walker, and it all crossed step backs pulling threes he grew up on the same street as Kemba type thing and you could just tell he was from New York mm-hmm. like Tim's aside everything aside you could just tell, <laughs> as, a, as a hooper he was just from New mm-hmm. York like he just had that New York swag and it's amazing it's just crazy I love it I love how you can see it you can see it's like they wear their they're not their heart on their sleeve they wear their their, their city and their story yeah. on their on their jersey you know when they're doing moves it's, it's 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 beautiful to see so it's it's I don't know. It's like it's art. Basketball's yeah, art for sure. You know, and it's like people think like, oh, you can only make a living off basketball. Your livelihood off basketball if you're playing. No, bro. Like, yeah. you can, there's so, so much stuff around basketball. Trainers, executives, owners, so scouts. So many front office so jobs, small jobs, player like mm. development jobs, like film jobs. There's everything. It's everything, man. It's and it's like, what is what Marketing. is your art form? Yeah. And it's like, do you like basketball? Like. That's what people, I feel like the most successful people do is they just find a way to combine their passions, mm-hmm. you know? If, it's two, if you have two passions, you know, combine them. Yeah. <coughs> Ooh. Let's see. I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's beautiful. Like, it's art. Yeah. You know, no. if, people, if people can draw, you know, I have a lot of talented friends that are artists, like, mm-hmm. draw, paint, you know, stuff like that, and... You look at that and it's like, wow, you know, yeah. they have some talented friends, like, yeah. you know, and, and then they find ways to, to make a living off it by, you know, finding ways to put it out there, you know, it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, yeah. even the business around your art is art, like yeah. how people find ways to connect those dots yeah. and, and say, I'm going to promote themselves and all that stuff. It's I'm definitely in that, in that process right now of, you know, propelling my art forward and, you know, combining it with other things and finding other avenues and you know trying to create a movement 
and uh, like affect the culture as much as possible. And I feel like I'm in that in that process right now. So I'm navigating through those waters. So it's, so it's interesting that like real time as I'm doing this to like talk to people like you that are doing the same thing just in a different different shade of light and like just a different different content. But it's always interesting because you can learn so much. Mm-hmm. I'm just having fun with it, man. That's yeah. it. I always said from the jump, I'm like, yo, whatever, I'm going to have fun with it. Yeah. And then just, that'll make me want to keep doing it and For keep sure. doing it. And it's like, people get discouraged because like in like, you know, two, three months, you don't see the results. No, yeah. If you like to do it, you're going to end up doing it. Mm-hmm. And you'll find ways to do it. You'll find ways to keep, you know, making it happen. You'll find ways to keep your foot on the gas and you never know, man. Yeah. Put it in there, put it out there, manifest the opportunities it. Opportunities are endless. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's I appreciate you coming, man. 100%. This is well overdue. Long overdue. You know, let them know what you're doing. Let them know what you're trying to do for the city. Uh, follow me on Instagram at NolanWillett3. I just changed my name, so I have to remember it. But, um, <laughs> you know, go follow me there. Um, I'm training in basketball right now in Calgary, but. You know, like we're talking about, opportunities are endless. You know, I'm working on so much different stuff. You know, trying to merge different ideas together with other people. Expect a lot more from me and Alex. You know, um, whether it's video or other content we're going to be doing together. Um, but, you know, I'm just trying to shift the culture forward. You know, that's it's a cliche thing to say, but I'm genuinely trying and, you know, putting the right people together and um, trying to make a name for myself, be at the forefront of this movement right now. And, um at the same time, make genuine relationships. And I feel like I'm doing a great job of that. So you know, I'm, I feel like I'm on the right path. Hey, man, just uh, follow your, I mean, man, follow your passion, man. That's that's all you can do. And uh, it's, see where it goes, bro. Yeah, 100%. My man, and just like that, you know, you're here rolling with it. The Gifted Gap, 1K Convos. Make sure you comment, subscribe, unsubscribe, mm-hmm. subscribe again. Uh, share, you know, with your sister, share it with your auntie. You make sure to get tapped in. You know, the gifted cab. Find us on the website too. And just like that, we're gone.
the gifted gab